You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And good okay. morning and welcome back to America's Web Radio. we got Jeff Lucas on the line, and he's going to be doing the surveying hour. And just as I mentioned earlier, over the weekend, and I was, you know, we were all thinking about Independence Day, the 4th of July, and some of us even knew what it was all about. And uh, I got to thinking about Jeff's show today. And, Jeff, I want to take just a couple of minutes out of your time to mention how uh, how I and uh, Parker Davis and Quick Stakes and anybody that's involved with this, how much we appreciate you and appreciate your peers over 244 years. Uh, we haven't been around quite that long, but still... I don't think people appreciate the service and the job surveyors do. And I don't think they've ever been given the credit that I feel like they're due for what what they do. And their job, and they've been... You, you all are, I would guess, one of the biggest parts of history ever, and yet very seldom mentioned, which is sad. Because you all are the ones like the Mason-Dixon line, uh, you know, on and on and on of great guys or men that have gone out and done the surveying to show us where our property lines are. And that's whether it's individually or as a state or as the federal government. And I just wanted to take this opportunity, and I speak for Parker Davis Quick Stakes, that... uh, you all should be more in history and appreciated for what surveyors have done for our country and the world is it as far as that goes over many many years thank you well david uh on behalf of the land surveying profession and certainly um um representing myself and my guest uh, I have here today. Thank you very much for those those kind words. And uh, I appreciate uh, that very much. Yes, uh, surveying has been a part of, the, of our rich history. Uh, and I believe personally that um, the surveying of the great public domain uh, from the 13 colonies to the, uh, to the Pacific Ocean was probably the uh, and, and, and the opportunity for private property ownership was how the United States became, uh, without any apology, the greatest uh, civilization ever to exist on planet Earth. Uh, and it all has to do with uh, being able to own uh, that little bit of the American dream. And my <clears throat> hope for the land surveying profession uh, is that the surveyors, you know, really realize that uh, we are... Um, we're the stewards of the nation's property boundaries, and um, we help to ensure, E-N-S-U-R-E, not I-N-S-U-R-E, but we help to ensure the, the American dream of, of property ownership. So thank you very much, David. I appreciate it. We, we and I'm sure the audience appreciates that very much. And with, with that said... Uh, I want to welcome everyone to the show. Uh, this is Monday morning. I hope uh, everyone uh, in our audience had a uh, great and a happy uh, and safe uh, 4th of July holiday weekend. Uh, I know that uh, my family and I certainly enjoyed it, and we had a little extra 
enjoyment in that uh, my our oldest granddaughter, my wife and I's oldest granddaughter, was born on July 5th, uh, nine years ago. And so she is almost a firecracker, but she really is a firecracker. And that just happens to be her grandfather's birthday as well. So we celebrated her birthday, my birthday, and my our second oldest granddaughter uh, was born on July 2nd. So um, uh, we, we had just birthday celebrations all weekend long. And uh, if they're listening, uh, I just want to wish them again uh, a happy birthday. Okay, so uh, I'm your host. Uh, this is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, uh, Jeff Lucas. I'm a land surveyor and attorney at law. And we'll spend the next hour talking about surveying uh, land sur- and land surveyors. And the, uh, I have a guest. I'm, I'm proud to... I have a guest on the, for the program today, and we're going to talk about some litigation uh, that um, he was personally involved in, and uh, he got me involved in the case. And uh, so we're going to discuss that because there's some very interesting aspects of that that uh, can only come out of uh, firsthand knowledge, and that's what our guests will bring uh, to the table today. Um, as always, your questions and comments are welcome. You can send them to jeff at americaswebradio.com i'd love to get your comments love to get your questions and we will address them on the next show you can find out more about me at my personal website www.lucasandcompany.com and uh, we have uh, some resources there some free resources there that you might want to check out okay Uh, my guest today is a land surveyor from idaho uh, he's Jim Menser. Uh, Jim grew up on a dairy farm in western Pennsylvania, joined the Army out of high school. He trained as a um, as a Swahili interpreter and translator. We're going to have to ask him about that. Married his high school sweetheart. They've been blessed with 51 years and counting. Jim was graduated in 1977 from the Indiana University of Pennsylvania with a B.S. in education and they relocated to the forest of North Dakota. His first exposure to surveying was with summer work, and he made the switch, taking a job as a surveyor at an underground mine. He was first licensed in 1994. Jim has been in independent practice since 1996, currently located in Emida, as rural as you can get. Emida? Yes. Okay as rural as you can get, and has three employees, all of whom are in programs working towards licensure. Jim's work is almost exclusively in boundary and mostly in the forest. He is committed to his community and serves as a volunteer firefighter. Jim, uh, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Jeff. Uh, uh, Thank you for having me on. It's, uh, It's a great honor, and happy birthday, by the way. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. We don't have to talk about how many years, do we? No, uh, but, but one correction. Uh, you said you said North Dakota, and I'm North Idaho. I did say North Dakota, didn't I? I'm sorry about that's, that. That's right. What's a, what's a Swahili interpreter and translator? Swahili. That's, uh, that's Swahili. the language. Swahili. Yeah, they speak that in Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania. 
Okay, I, I mispronounced that. I didn't see that. Uh, I needed my glasses on, Jim. I didn't see that uh, I after the L there. Swahili interpreter and translator. So uh, you learned Swahili, I guess, in the military? I did. Are you, you're not, are you, do you still know how to speak it? I, it's pretty rusty now. And uh, yeah. the Army being what the Army always is, they trained me as a Swahili interpreter and then sent me to Okinawa to decipher radio communications out of China. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, good. Good, good. Uh, now, you kind of talked about in your bio here that you sent me a little bit of how you got uh, into surveying, but... Um, I mean, what what drew you to, what drew you to surveying other than um, being out in the woods? The uh, <clears throat> we moved to North Idaho and contracted to buy a little piece of heaven, and it needed surveyed. And the uh, the situation was, I was off for the summer, and the local surveyor was uh, he had a kind of a chaotic life and it was hard for him to get to work he always had an excuse and one day his excuse was that his rod man was sick so i just said well what does it how much brains does it take to be a rod man i didn't know and he said well you have you have enough so <laughs> i was adequate for that and uh and we worked. It was a it was a big uh, township breakdown, and uh, we worked at that for a month or more. And when that was finished, he offered me a job for next summer. And after that, I was I was hooked. I was I was done with teaching. And, and so you you uh, were you were a teacher, and so you had the. Uh you had the summers off, and so this this started out as a as a summer job working for this guy, right? Well, it started out as a volunteer job, but then uh, you know, I since I was adequate rod man, and he just he just trained me everything else, and the next summer he had me on the payroll. <laughs> All right, great. Um, well, then you um, what you what you have to do to get licensed uh, in Idaho as a surveyor? I, uh, th- at the time, they required a degree, and they didn't really care what it was in, but then uh, experience and, and pass the tests. And, and so when I, when I got to that point where I had enough experience, I sat for the exams and got my license. Oh, well, that's interesting. Uh, you know, the trend... Uh, I guess the trend here over the last decade or so was you had to have a, some sort of geomatics degree in order to be able to sit for the exam, and um, uh, yours was in uh, yours is in education. And uh, you know, I, I've always often thought we're we're making it a little bit too difficult for uh, people to sit down and take the surveying exam. That maybe we just need uh, a requirement um, for a four-year degree. Just to show that people have, you know, I mean, all that's really going to do is show that you have some stick to itiveness uh, as a student, and you might end up being a good uh, professional. I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? Well, I I argued against the the four year geomatics degree just because I 
Yeah, somewhere I heard that the average age where a person decides to enter the surveying profession is like 26. <clears throat> and then by the time you turn 26, you've got wife and kids, and and uh, that's that's no time to really to think about entering school full time. It's it's easier right. now with, with with online learning. You can it, but it still takes some time. Yeah, uh, you know that that's um, that's pretty interesting because um, my own experience with my uh, son-in-law was uh, he had uh, he met my uh, my daughter and in, in college and he was getting a degree in history and I always told him you know Jeff uh, not Jeff David with a degree in history you know and fifteen dollars you can get yourself a Starbucks at you know a coffee at Starbucks. And so uh, he was working with me that back in 2006, 2007, and uh, he was starting to get interested in surveying. He, he had a four-year degree, but the requirement was he was going to have to get, uh, he was going to have to take enough geomatics courses to be able to qualify for the exam. And um, and uh, we're going to take a break here in just about a minute, but let me wrap this up real quick. Uh, and uh, he, he saw that he was going to have to go back to school for two years and get a, a second undergraduate degree in order to be able to sit for an exam that he would have to, you know, he'd have to work on an apprenticeship of at least two years, if not a little more. So then he decided to go to law school instead. So, <laughs> uh, Jim, we got to take a break here and uh, want to come back and actually get into what you're on the program here for today. Is that good with you? Good with me. All right, we'll take a break. Okay, and we're going to take this break and mention the fact that if you haven't tried Quick Stakes, Quick Stakes by Parker Davis, and they also have some of the best markers going. Um, look at their website, and uh, they're ready for you, and they are supporting you, and they always have supported the surveyor. And we appreciate we had a very good month, and uh, like Quick Stakes, Parker Davis keeps saying, Business is coming back. So are you prepared? Do you have the quick stakes that you need? Do you have the markers that you need? If not, then order them from Parker Davis. We'll be back right after this. Quick stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not... Get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Quick Stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick Stakes. Did you know that Quick Stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick Stakes, your back-friendly stake.
This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. Okay, welcome back to the show. Uh, my name is Jeff Lucas, uh, and this is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. With me today is a uh, guest, is a guest of mine, a friend of mine, Idaho professional surveyor Jim Mincer. Jim, uh, one of the reasons for getting you on the show today, and, and again, thank you for coming on and agreeing to come on and talk about it, is I wanted to give the audience uh, a sort of insider's look at the anatomy of a lawsuit. I mean, it's one thing to read about a lawsuit, you know, in, in black and white, on paper, an opinion, but it's another thing to have someone who's uh, actually been sued and, and gone through the process uh, to, to kind of uh, shed some light on, on things, uh, on certain aspects of litigation uh, that, that I think are important. Uh, so uh, let's go back about uh, three years. I think it was... My records indicate sometime in 2017, uh, you contacted me because you had been uh, sued for uh, serving a, a piece of property. Uh, can you kind of step us through what was happening then? Okay. Uh, what what led up to the lawsuit? The first contact I had, and every every job is different. Everything's you know these are unique situations. But I was contacted by uh, Pastor Brian Primer, who's uh, the pastor of the Burnwood Community Bible Church, and he said he had a he had a situation. He had uh, parishioners who were in a dispute with uh, with a new neighbor getting ready to move in, <clears throat> and there was an issue with a fence, and this. Uh, these these folks had their name was Rogers and they had uh, purchased this property 40 years earlier and built fences to to uh, mark their boundaries. It was surveyed by a by a surveyor and uh, he did not do a very good job. But he but he laid out the center line of the section mm-hmm. and. Uh, they built their fence accordingly, and then another surveyor came through 30 years later and put the center line of the section in a different place, which was, it, it tapered uh, from the south quarter corner, it, uh, it, it, it tapered to, to where it was like 32 feet uh, over beyond the new survey line. But these people were all... So you had basically a wedge parcel, uh, nothing on the south end, and then expanded out to about thirty-two feet. Correct? Right. That's that's correct. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so so the uh, they had gone. They they were all purportedly Christians and and they're people of faith, and they went to the local pastor and. Uh, he agreed to set up an arbitration panel with the elders in the church, and they. Now, wait a second. Let, 
let me get this clear. The Rogers and and the next door neighbor, they both went to the same church. Uh, the the Sloans, who are the neighbors, had uh, they had not built yet, and they mm-hmm. they had they went to a church a couple hours away. But uh-huh. uh, the 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 Rogers were parishioners at this church. Okay, and and uh, so they they went to arbitration, mm-hmm. and the pastor then sent me a copy of the arbitration agreement, and it was signed by the parties. And they they decided that uh, the Rogers should purchase from the Sloans this somewhat part of an acre of land that uh, on which their fence was located, and the wedge. The, the wedge, and reimburse the Sloans for for all their cost in that, including you know this proportionate cost of of this piece of land, and and also the Rogers would pay for a for a, a survey and a boundary line adjustment. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I I agreed to do that. They uh, th- this this thing said that the the arbitration decision. Said that the Rogers had, in good faith, with no malicious or sinful intent, built a fence on their property, according to a survey in 1976 by Gerald Renfro. Now that survey was not recorded, and that right. was important. That was important to the the arbitration panel, but you know they, there, it was not recorded because there was no recordation act and. There was no vehicle by which to record it, but they didn't know that. <clears throat> and this was a uh, this uh, Renfro uh, was a licensed surveyor, correct? I uh, he was. It was before they separated engineers and surveyors, and they at the time anybody with an engineering license could perform land surveys. They well, then it was it was a, it was a legi- in other words it was a legitimate survey under Idaho law at the time. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, okay. It wasn't it wasn't done very well. But anyway, that's right. uh so they they arbitrated they this decision was that that the Rogers would buy this little sliver of land from the Sloans and pay to have it surveyed. And I you know, I know what you're what the listeners are thinking, there's a forty year old survey, but you know, you don't need to you know, there's fences and houses and ponds and barns and a county road and and stability and continuity and right. And I thought about that. You know, at the time, it was uh, we don't need to. You know, we just find the old survey if we can find it, and then maybe right. there's not even a problem. But but they had all agreed and gone to arbitration, and so I didn't want to. I didn't want to. Which was in. yeah, that's that's perfectly within their rights to go ahead and uh, for the neighbor to get together with neighbor and let's. Uh, there's a possible dispute here, but let's go ahead and settle it. So that everything seems to be going, you know, really good at this point in time. So where what happened? What where did this whole thing go south? Well, it it, it went south when I when I started my work. Uh, the Mr. Sloan decided that. Uh, 
Well, he, he just he started kind of pouring sand in the gears. He wanted, he said, okay, the land that the fence is on. So each and every fence post is an angle point of some sort, and it was a well-built fence. There was a post every eight feet, so we have, we have over 200 monuments he wanted me to set, one at each fence post, and uh, they were, I mean, it was a string-lined fence, and I thought two points would be certainly adequate, and, uh, but, but he said no. He wanted a point at every fence post and then a legal description written with all those meets and bounds to, so that, so that the, he, he was not selling any more land than he was absolutely required to do. And of course, and, the Rogers, uh, the Rogers, the Rogers are paying for the survey, right? <laughs> of course, yeah, and yeah. and it's it's pretty clear to them what uh, you know what, what it, that that Sloan's it, Sloan's objective is to make them pay as much as possible, right? And then uh, <clears throat> anyway, we so we we got into that and. Rogers called me and he said, "Just, just don't even, don't even do anything. We have to fine tune this scope of work." And then uh, a couple months later, Rogers actually came to my house and said, "This, this arbitration agreement is dead. That uh, they'd gotten a letter from from an attorney who turned out to be not even a licensed attorney." But uh, they got a letter from Sloan's attorney saying that this that the arbitration was was not done correctly and it was unenforceable and these kinds of things and uh, and so he he said just can you come over and and tell me what I own can you mark my property on the ground and so if I have to move my fence I can move my fence. And that's when I, that's when I said, well, there's there's this thing about stability and continuity, and once a once land is surveyed and the surveyor sets markers and people rely on it, you know that that's kind of where it's got to stay. And uh, right. and and then I, you know, I, we went out and and found Renfro's old survey markers we we just they were there right the 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 surveyor in 2006 did not even look for them he just assumed that they they weren't there they were invalid and we're we're into the we're into the pincushion thing here right so i uh I wrote a well, let me ask you. Let me let me ask you a quick, or a quick question uh, about that survey in two thousand and six. Did the surveyor even know about the Renfro survey, or was he was he working elsewhere in the section, or was he working for uh, Sloan? At the, he wasn't working for Sloan at the time, right? Uh, in two thousand and six, he was working for the folks from whom Sloan purchased. And, oh, and so. He, he was aware of the Renfro survey because he cited it on on his as a previous oh, okay. survey, and okay. and he had a copy of it. But uh, okay. 
But but he, uh, he, he, he in essence, he, he just he ignored that. Renfro would be what I've been telling the audience is an original surveyor, and then the the retracement surveyor comes in and does basically what you ended up doing, and that's following Renfro. But this other surveyor ignored Renfro, basically. Is that that's correct? That's correct. He deemed that Renfro had not followed the correct uh, methods and procedures of breaking down the section, and therefore yeah. it was invalid, and that's the fight that that okay. uh, I think we're coming to the end of that fight. <laughs> yeah, uh, and we're coming to uh, the end of the segment. Uh, Jim, if you, if you and the audience will stay on with us here, we'll, we'll be back to you. And once again, I want to mention that uh, if you haven't ever tried Quick Steaks, they're there. Call them, order a sample of them at 1-800-438-0387. And we'll be back right after this. Quick Steaks. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Steaks? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick Steaks. Did you know that Quick Steaks are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden steak. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick Steaks, your back-friendly steak. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, welcome back to the Surveyor's Hour. I'm Jeff Lucas. I'm your host, and uh, I am um, happy uh, and proud that I have... um, a guest on here today, uh, my friend and Idaho uh, professional surveyor, Jim Mincer. Okay, Jim, uh, you were kind of wrapping up um, at the end of the last segment with um, how the Sloans, your, your, first of all, your client, the Rogers, and then the next door neighbor, the Sloans, how uh, their arbitration agreements uh, basically broke down. So basically, tell us what happened next. After that breakdown, what happens next? Well, what happened next, uh, things things got pretty bizarre. Uh, Sloan started, after I filed my, my record of survey showing no encroachment, then uh, Sloan started stalking me, and uh, he, he, did, he did a really weird thing. He, he went to the, the church where this all started and took to the pulpit and screamed at the, at the congregation and told them that they were all going to go to hell and he was going to give his land to the Islamic Brotherhood and so they could build a terrorist training camp and then you know what it's like to have neighbors like you've been to me. And, and he, uh, he, he came to Imida and to the church over here and said he was looking to settle a score with a surveyor who lives in Emida. wouldn't mention my name, but <laughs> that's not rocket science. No, that's a, it's that's, a that's tiny But uh, anyway, that got the sheriff and the, the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force involved in it. And, and yeah, then, but anyway, he, he, uh, he sued the Rogers and litigated them to where 
they eventually moved their fence because they, they, they remortgaged their house and they ran out of money. They were retired. Uh, Mrs. Rogers is a midwife and she had to go back to delivering babies and and they uh, they they basically went went broke and uh, but they they did name me as as their expert witness. So then, after so, so basically found, ba- basically the boundary dispute never got adjudicated with the Sloan versus Rogers case. So Sloan sues the Rogers over the over a boundary dispute and basically outspends them. And uh, forces them to uh, to concede to what Sloan wanted. I, is that is that a way that's, of kind of paraphrasing exactly it? Exactly right. That is fair. And uh, so, you know, they they spent thirty or forty thousand dollars on attorneys' fees, where it would cost about ten thousand to move the fence, and it's just a turned out to be less than an acre of swampland and you know what just moved the fence so they moved the fence and then Sloan well he complained me to the board and I answered that complaint but mm-hmm. but uh, before the state board could act on it then uh, they sued me and so the board just put that complaint on the shelf until until after the Sloan versus Mincer got resolved. And so, what did first of all? First of all, tell me: uh, Have you ever been sued uh, based on a survey that you've done before? No, I had never ever even been threatened with a lawsuit. Well, so tell the audience what not not everybody not everybody listening to us has ever had a lawsuit filed against you. Uh, How how does that feel to have a lawsuit filed against you? Uh, a lot like if I would imagine what a rabbit feels when the shadow of the hawk comes over it. I, it was, uh, it's, it's not a good feeling, I can tell you that. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, the amount of money that he was talking in the lawsuit, you know, eventually, eventually he offered to settle if, if I would, you know, give me 30 days to, give clear title to our farm so uh you know that wasn't going to happen but so so that that was that was the offered settlement that you uh deed over uh to sloan your your what, what kind of farm you have i mean how many acres do you have it's it's 20 acres and uh you know with a house and barn and a new house Oh, that seems very reasonable. That, that, that seemed very reasonable. That that wasn't scary. That wasn't scary at all, was it, Jim? No, no. That, but but then he then he wanted me to publish in the well, give up my license first of all, and then to publish in the local paper an apology above the fold on page two, saying uh, apologizing to the county for my past misdeeds and for my lustful urges to steal people's land and it was just it was just bizarre and it was, but uh, anyway so what did uh, what did the what did Sloan actually charge you know in the in, in the complaint what do you act, I mean what what's the what does he claim that you did wrong 
I, uh, malpractice and negligence, uh, you know, basically failure to adhere to a standard of care, and trespassing. Trespass, and he also uh, charged you with slander of title, right? Yes, slander of title. Slander of title, okay. All right, so uh, here you are. You're being sued by... Uh, a guy who's already sued, uh, already sued your client, and basically suing you just because you did the survey. But, uh, that's basically what it boils down to, right? Yes, he he was, I think, trying to get the money back that he spent uh, suing the Rogers because mm-hmm. the, the guy the guy's a bully, and uh, you know I I won't need to get into that. But uh, what one of the things that came out in discovery that. Uh, I found that uh, another local surveyor was was into litigation, and he had a list of trick questions that you can ask a surveyor. And it, it, I'm I'm ashamed of, for the profession that this guy's there, but but he came up with a and sold this list of questions that you can destroy any surveyor on the witness stand. And just his plan of get a get a surveyor on the stand and cut him to ribbons and and uh, and and discredit him. And mm. I have that. That's, list what, that's, that's what that, that's what that's what they call a hired gun, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I, this I, guy I'm was glad a, to, I'd be glad to share that list with anybody. It's uh, it's something every surveyor ought to read. Um, how long's the list? I, we we didn't discuss this. How long's the list? Oh, it, it's like twenty pages, but uh, we won't. Oh, okay. That. <laughs> yeah, okay. But, but I can't go into that. Uh, there, there are a couple things that, uh, that that I will touch on, and all right. So, I would assume some of your listeners are surveyors. Yeah, and. Uh, <clears throat> One thing on the on the standard of care is that uh, the Idaho Society of Professional Land Surveyors put out a list of, of things that when you're researching for a survey that you should you should research these things. And mm-hmm. one of them is railroad records. Well, surveyor on the stand, did you research railroad records? Well, no, there's no railroads there. All but the standard of care says you must research railroad records, and then it also says you know you need to calibrate your instruments uh, regularly and keep documentation of that. And and uh, the when you put your set up your field note pages, you know people assignments of who's doing what and the time and the weather and the and you should set your PPMs every day and and the they get your field notes and start through them, and they're going to find a day where, you know, or maybe every day where you didn't do those things. And yeah. so you failed to adhere to the standard of care. And then uh, the other one, since uh, because of my age, they assume that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I was over 65 and, and uh, fairly well retired. And so, do you work? You know, do you? What do you do all day? Do you? And and the trick is to get you to admit that you're not a full-time surveyor. 
And that's a trap because it's against the state law to be the person in responsible charge if you're part-time. Now, mm-hmm. the state law, is aimed, it's aimed at people having multiple businesses and being part-time everywhere and you know, letting the non-registrants do the work. But that's, that's one of the tricks. And if you don't anticipate that, it's, it's, it's an easy trap to fall into. Hmm. Yeah. Well, um, uh, one of the things that uh, is also a problem uh, in this type of litigation for, the, for a surveyor who's being sued or for, like, the Rogers, you know, who are being sued over a boundary dispute, how did you come to find your, the attorney that, um, that you found to work on this case? Uh, it's a small county. We have like 9,000 people in the county and uh, two attorneys. And I went to one of them and, you know, just to, I, I need to answer this lawsuit. And mm-hmm. he said he couldn't do it because he talked to the Sloans once before. And he sent me to Coeur d'Alene, which is an hour and a half away, just to, to a guy. And he said, I don't know. He, and I, I couldn't find any survey or any attorney who'd ever taken a case with a surveyor involved because we tend mm-hmm. to stay out of trouble. But uh, he, anyway, they picked this guy because they said he's, he's a grandfatherly type and he'll play well in Benoit County. And I and I'd already told him there's no way I'm backing down. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give in to this guy at all. And if it costs me the ranch, it does. But uh, and then I sit down with this attorney, and he just he just wasn't getting it. And I'm spending spending my money paying him to sit and listen to me teach him about the land surveying profession. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I, uh, so so I, I, I think it was, uh, I think it was divine intervention that I fell into you, Jeff, because I couldn't make my PayPal account work when I was trying to subscribe to your newsletter, and I so I called the eight hundred number and talked to this delightful lady named Mary, and she said, "Well, Jeff does consulting work," and so. Then I put you together, and and you know you speak you speak the same language, and and uh, that's that's how you got into it. Yeah, um, and you're, we're talking about Mark Jackson, right? Yes. Yeah, there's no there's no knock on Mark on Mark Jackson, but uh, this this is a problem uh, for uh, guys like you, surveyors who get sued, or for the Rogers when they get sued over a boundary dispute case. The it's tough to find a an attorney because this isn't a big practice area. This isn't a big practice area. You know, there, there's no insurance, as you well know, to pay for. Well, there's there's there could be errors and omissions insurance when the surveyor gets sued, but when landowners get sued, there's no insurance money there. You know, you're, it's not a necessarily a title fight, so there's no title insurance money. You're you're, you're off spending your own money. Uh, and um, so it's not a big practice area in the law, and somebody you 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 hit the nail on the head. Somebody's got to sit down and actually uh, go over uh, the case with with an attorney, 
and um, you know, like you said, um, teach them about land surveying so that they understand what the uh, what the arguments are uh, here with the, with the case, and actually how to defend the surveyor or how to you know defend the boundary dispute case. Uh, Jim, uh, we're gonna we're just about to take a break. We'll come back and I want to talk about the the trial if we can. Uh, we'll just jump forward to that. Quick stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have quick stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying quick stakes. Did you know that quick stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick stakes, your back friendly stake. Don't forget that Parker Davis has one of the most used and best markers going. And it says, don't remove property of surveyor. So uh, call Parker Davis, 800-438-0387, and order your samples. Or just place an order and get prepared for the business that's coming your way. We'll be back right after this. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Quick stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. All right, we are back, folks, for our uh, final segment. This is the Surveyor's Hour. I'm Jeff Lucas, and my guest today is Idaho Surveyor Jim Mentor, and we're talking about a uh, some litigation that he was involved in. He got sur- sued for for simply surveying for his client. So, Jim, um, you found your attorney. Uh, I got involved. You called me. I got involved, and uh, I helped do some of this. Uh, what you discussed, you know, talk talk legal language to the attorney and uh so we moved forward there's discovery i know i did a report and there were other filings but here we so let's jump forward you're in you're, you're now we're going to a trial now that that talk about that i mean so you all options of settling and everything are over with and cutting your losses and now you're going into a trial and it, it just looks like an endless money pit at this point in time doesn't it 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 does, and we uh, yeah we got uh, we were scheduled for a three day jury trial, and it was the first the first uh, it'd been like seven years since they had a, a civil jury trial in Benoit County. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> 
Yeah, the judge it, didn't it, it, even know how to call a jury, right? <laughs> the judge didn't even know how to call a jury, did he? <laughs> all the, yeah, well, they, they have a lot of criminal jury trials. but uh, Oh, yeah, right. And, and the jury selection was interesting. You know, they, 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 they pulled all these people, and then, you know, we had a chance to throw out the, the jurors we don't like. And there was, right. there was one guy, uh, he, he wanted to be excused because his father-in-law had just died, and he was in charge of arrangements for a funeral, and he just couldn't see, you know, he, he, was, he was trying to get that done, and the judge told him, no, that's not an excuse. You have all night, you know, to do that. So we, anyway, we, we threw him off the, out of the jury pool. Yeah. And uh, the the other side used all their whatever you call them, and and uh, got anybody who was involved in law enforcement out of there. Right. Strikes. Uh, yeah. So uh, it was a three day trial. Uh, I came. Uh, Sloan put on his case first. I came in on day two because you didn't. Uh, I know Jackson said you know, there's there's no way you're going to testify day one. So I came in on day two and I saw the most amazing thing happen in that trial like you said divine intervention sloan was still on the stand when i came in on day two and kind of describe in your own words how that how day two went uh it was it was wild they uh gee they they uh <clears throat> they put me on the stand i mean we had we had we had sloan on the stand and he kept saying that uh, there was no arbitration, there was no valid arbitration. And then we played a recording from the sheriff's dispatch where he had called them and was complaining about, you know, a year or so earlier about the Rogers, who, but we've been to arbitration and they're supposed to buy this land and they're dragging their feet and dragging their feet. And, and uh, you know, we offered to play the tape and, and Sloan says, well, I guess you'll have to play the tape. And so we did. And I mean, the jury, the jury uh, was eye-rolling the whole time. And I, and I, then, I couldn't and imagine. I mean, going back to the jury, jury room and keep my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, uh, Sloan's attorneys called all of your witnesses, didn't they? They did. They did. And they called me to as witness against myself. The one most interesting thing was they, they uh, uh, just a specific question, they asked me to read this sentence that it was in a letter that I'd written, and uh, it was a, a citation from the manual where if you're doing a resurvey, you should be very careful about, you know, the, 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 the bona fide rights of anybody who was affected by the previous survey. Right. And so I, so I read that, and he said, well, you were, were you not doing a, a, a resurvey? And I said, no, it was a retracement. Well, then why did you put this resurvey thing in there? And I said, because of the next line, which they didn't want me to read. But I said, which says, there's no realm of the law where there's a greater need for stability and continuity than in, in real boundary uh, stuff. And their attorney says, then, uh, I move to strike that answer. And he says, well, 
you can't. No, you asked him the question, and he answered. <laughs> you asked him. And, and so then he says, uh, okay, then, I object to the question. And, and the judge says, you cannot object to your own question. And he looked at Mark Jackson, my attorney, and says, if the defendant's attorney wants to object, and, of course, Mark says, well, we have no objection. So, so he, he tried to object to his own question. And then, uh, oh, it was just. It was, I have uh, never, I have never seen in a case. Now, I, I haven't, you know, I, I haven't been to thousands of trials, but I have never, ever even heard of a plaintiff calling the defense witnesses to question them. And I guess the 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 the, the telltale sign that it didn't go well is uh, after. Uh, the plaintiff finished asking, finished uh, um, um, direct examination of all of your witnesses. Uh, what what Jackson do? He he. Well, I'll, I'll tell you in case you don't know the terminology, but uh, you probably do. But he called for a directed verdict. Didn't even put on your case. Just call, ask the judge for a directed verdict on the on the on the uh, evidence presented by the plaintiff. Right. That's correct. And, uh, yeah, they, they rested. It was after the afternoon break on the last day of the trial. So we essentially had an hour and a half to to present our case, or they'd have to, and the judge had told us, this is not going to continue till next week. And it was a Friday, and here we are. We have an hour and a half. And so we just asked for a directed verdict, and I think the the judge had that already written up because he went to his chambers for like six minutes and came back out and read it. Read it. It was all written out. Yeah, he read it. Um, on all all four counts, right? Uh, it was a uh, directed verdict on all four counts on the, uh, uh, the uh, professional malpractice uh, and uh, negligence. Um, also on the uh, trespass and on slander of title, which is, is brings up an interesting uh, issue, and that was the litigation privilege. And again, uh, no 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 knock on on uh, Mark Jackson. He's a good litigator. I mean, you know, maybe even great. Uh, I don't know. But uh, when I when I mentioned litigation privilege to him after you had retained my services, he. He didn't even know anything about it. No, that's, uh, and I didn't either. And and for the benefit of our audience, the litigation privilege is, uh, it's somewhat universal. I believe it's in all jurisdictions, and even the judge, uh, uh, Wayman, uh, mentioned that it's kind of universal across the states. The application is a little bit, you know, different here and there and everywhere. But it's it's basically a rule. Sometimes it's statutory in California. They have statutory law on this. It's a law. But uh, in most cases, cases it's judge made rule that um, that the judge, the attorneys, the parties, and then the witnesses, including expert witnesses, have a limited immunity to uh, or a privilege to get on the stand and basically say what they want to say without the fear of being 
uh, sued in, in subsequent uh, subsequent litigation, being sued for what you say on the sand, right? In essence, yeah, that's it. Uh, and you, if you think about how it would apply to a medical malpractice, you would never get a doctor to come in and be an expert witness at a trial. If, so, if a, a slander of title for our yeah, you're right. And slander of title for our audience' sake is uh, so. The charge was you were by you. Uh, holding the 1976 Renfro survey, which the fence had been built to, and the Rogers had gone in reliance on, which was, if it had been adjudicated, probably would have won, at least in my opinion, would have won. Uh, but so the wedge, it ended up being the wedge, that because you uh, surveyed wedge for the Rogers, you were somehow slandering his title by by the tune of that uh, that that 36 foot wedge right that's what they said <laughs> and the other interesting aspect of this case is and we only got a, maybe a minute left here is you got all your you, you spent some 60 or 70 thousand dollars and uh, in this litigation and normally you don't get your money back but in this case uh, I don't know if you got it all back but you got a good chunk of money back in this case didn't you Everything I could document, but uh, I still had a year of, of fighting and, you know, driving back oh, yeah. and forth with the lawyers and stuff. But, yeah, you, but yeah you, we, got, we got all our money back. No, the anguish, you can't get repaid for the anguish that they put you through, but um, you did. Uh, and mainly because it ended up being, uh, at that hearing on sanctions, it ended up being, in the words of Judge Wayman, uh, a frivolous lawsuit. And so... Um, and it was. It was. It was totally frivolous lawsuit. Jim, you got anything else you want to tell us about uh, before we wrap things up here? Well, uh, as, a, as a result, I, I think a lot had to do with if we, uh, if we go out and if a surveyor goes out and, and uh, is aware of a, of a previous survey and finds something from that, that they either accept that what's there or... Or there's a long procedure for changing anything, and that that's a very good thing. And we okay. have a right of entry well, now. Good. I'm sorry we didn't get into that, but we, Jim, we got to end the show. And I just again thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, let's stay in touch. Yes, thank you. It's it's an honor. All right. Have a good day. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.